mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, most of us are familiar with the stereotypical symptoms of ADHD in children, but it's not just kids who are affected. How adult ADHD is the same, only different. Also this morning, June 1st through the 7th, is CPR week. Would you feel comfortable taking charge in an emergency where someone needed immediate help? And the Hancock County OSU Extension is planning a summer full of special programs for healthy families and wise consumers. Extension educator Jennifer Little will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, June 6th, 2022. Today, of course, the anniversary of D-Day. It was on this day in 1944 that thousands of Allied troops stormed the beaches of Normandy, France. Uh, The uh, event would later become known as D-Day. I think it was Operation Overlord was the actual name of the mission. Uh, Later, it would come to be known as D-Day, marked the beginning of the end of uh, World War II in Europe, the uh, invasion a success, and Germany surrendered less than a year later. So, D-Day anniversary today. Also, it is National Hunger Awareness Day, National Yo-Yo Day. On the lighter side of things, it is Drive-In Movie Day, National Gardening Exercise Day, National Eyewear Day, Atheist Pride Day. So... I just mentioned it. I'm just reading the list here. National Higher Education Day, National Churro Day, and it is Russian Language Day. So there you go. Reasons to celebrate slash important observances for the day today. So uh, over the weekend, you could not swing a dead cat without uh, finding coverage of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Uh, It was a a huge deal on the other side of the pond, the uh, Platinum Jubilee for the uh, Queen of England, 70 years on the throne. I mean, no matter how you feel about the idea of British royalty, whether you're a royal watcher or you couldn't care less, it's still pretty impressive. 70 years on the throne. I mean, you think about all of the things that Queen Elizabeth has presided over uh, during her reign as uh, as queen. But um, that was not the only big event in the UK over the weekend. Perhaps even bigger was the return of the cheese roll. The, uh, <laughs> the Gloucester cheese roll returned for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Hundreds of people turned out yesterday for the UK's first cheese rolling extreme sports competition in more than two years. Competitors chased a seven pound double Gloucester cheese down a steep 200 yard hill. Have you ever seen this? The videos of the cheese roll in Great Britain is amazing. If you (laughs) I mean, not that it is an amazing feat of skill or anything. It's more It's amazing to think that there are actually people who do this. Uh, Champion cheese chaser Chris Anderson won his 23rd race after taking a year off in 2019 and said this was his final competition. Well, you know, you always want to go out on top. And so uh, Mr. Anderson is going to do just that, retiring at the top of his game. The event uh, held in Gloucester, about 100 miles northeast of London, draws competitors from all over the world. And I, they said, Platinum Jubilee or not, it's full steam ahead. Not going to uh, put that off for anyone. So, good for them. <laughs> I mean, 70 years on the throne is one thing, but the Gloucester cheese roll is back. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, so here locally over the uh, weekend, the uh, Pride celebration in Finley was uh, was held, a kickoff Pride Month. And um, Pride Month is something that is celebrated all over the world. And in Austria, I don't know if you happen to see this. See, see what you think about this. In uh, Austria, Burger King there, the Burger King chain, 
is uh, in full-out celebration mode. They have come up with a uh, rather unique way of observing Pride Month. Declaring it is time to be proud with a special new Whopper on the Burger King menu. And again, this is in Austria. The uh, fast food chain's website says the burger was created for equal love and equal rights. Now, not much is different when it comes to what is inside the Whopper. It's still, you know, the beef patty and all of the regular ingredients that customers have come to expect. There's no difference in terms of that. In honor of Pride Month, though, what's different about this, the, the Pride Burger, is you can order it with either two top sesame seed buns or two bottom side buns. Or one of each, if you want. But you can order two of one or the other. <laughs> Someone has a sense of humor. I'm not sure uh, how that <laughs> how that would go over. But there you go. Only in uh, Austria, though. <clears throat> All right. Hey, this is kind of interesting. Um, maybe you went on a uh, first date over the weekend. With someone new. Do you believe in love at first sight? A new study from Israel. They have investigated the way that skin sweat and movements of your body change while you are dating. What they did is they observed one of those speed dating uh, experiences and how people reacted to meeting potential partners for the first time. And uh, some very interesting results. The Hebrew University study out of Jerusalem found that couples who actually were interested in one another actually had a spark romantically appeared to be biologically in sync within two minutes of meeting each other. So if you believe in love at first sight, this actually supports that. Within two minutes, these individuals appeared to be biologically in sync. Interested couples also mirrored one another's movements within just minutes of, uh, of meeting each other. So if you believe in love at first sight, now apparently science backs you up on that. Kind of interesting. Speaking of uh, meeting people that uh, you may have a romantic interest in, You've heard of the phrase beer goggles, right? You've been out tipping back a few too many after a night in the town and everybody, you know, all of the members of the opposite sex look look better (laughs) as you're looking through the beer goggles. What about sleep goggles? This actually is a phenomenon that does the exact opposite of what booze does. According to a recent study, lack of sleep could be interfering with your love life. Because it makes others look less attractive. Not getting enough shut-eye, it says here, alters the way we see other people. And not in a good way. This is research out of uh, Uppsala University in Sweden. All right, And they say, when you don't get enough sleep, it distorts, the, the brain distorts how we view the attractiveness of other people. Uh, The finding could have great implications for bar-going singles who are routinely sleep-deprived, they say. So, I guess the moral of that story is, before you go out bar-hopping on the weekend, make sure that you uh, get a a good nap in the afternoon. That's uh, what you gotta do. Kind of interesting. Uh, Speaking of scientific studies, I saw this. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day... And this is serious stuff uh, pertinent to your health. If you are five foot nine or taller, pay attention because you may be more at risk for over 100 diseases. According to a recent study analyzing information of more than a quarter million people in the VA Million Veteran Program. Uh, Variants that influence height are linked to 127 medical conditions, including cancer and stroke. The taller you are, the more at risk you are, basically. If you're over 5 foot 9, your risk goes up. One theory is 
that tall people, <laughs> I'm not sure that I buy this, but this is one of the theories that tall people, tall people may have more health issues in their limbs because of the distance between the limbs and your heart. Your hands, your toes are all farther away from the heart, the taller you are, and thus you may be more susceptible to diseases. Doesn't that sound like something, you know, like out of the out of 17th century medicine? You know, 17th or the, the pioneer days of the uh, Old West, the doctors believe that uh, you are more susceptible to cancer because your hands are farther away from your heart because of the, the height. But that's actually a legitimate study that they say. I don't know. That doesn't, I'm not sure that flies with me, but that's what they say. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know on this Monday morning, and this is big news, Mountain Dew is testing out six, count them, six new flavors. Over the weekend, they rolled this out, uh, testing six never-before-released re- never flavors. Apparently, this is only at one location in Mountain City, Tennessee, uh, a place called The Outpost near Mountain City, Tennessee. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, if you ever uh, have visited, or if you have a trip to Mountain City, Tennessee planned for this summer. You might want to check this out. At The Outpost, they have... New Mountain Dew flavors, including, are you ready? Pickle, apple cinnamon, s'mores, elderberry, huckleberry, and summer popsicle. And Mountain Dew flavors. S'more-flavored Mountain Dew. I don't know what sounds less appetizing to me. S'mores-flavored Mountain Dew or pickle-flavored Mountain Dew. But uh, if you are so inclined... You are brave enough. You can check those out. You can report back how they uh, how they taste. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny early today. Then showers move in in the afternoon. A high of 85. Showers are likely tonight. A low of 65. After a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic, Flag City Honor Flight will be taken to the air this week. We're just really excited about getting back in the air and flying, uh, so much so that we've decided to do three flights this year instead of two, try to catch up a little bit. And Bob Weinberg, president of Flag City Honor Flight, says the first of those three flights will happen on Tuesday as they'll be taking 81 veterans on a trip to Washington to visit the war memorials built in their honor. Get more on Flag City Honor Flights and these upcoming flights on the website. Habitat for Humanity of Finley-Hancock County held a double home dedication over the weekend for their two new builds, homes 50 and 51. One of the new homes is for the Sweet family, and Sherry Sweet thanked everyone for helping make this happen. Finally being able to have a place for my family and friends to come and spend time and family game nights. I can't wait for those bonfires, cookouts, all those things. And I may be old, but it feels like the best times of my life are just about to begin. Home 50 was funded and built by Whirlpool employees. Get more on both of the homes and the families on the website. Over the summer, free lunches will be available to anybody in Hancock County under 18 years old. The lunches will be available at Glenwood Middle School in Finley Monday through Thursday from 1130 to 1230. Ohio native and NBA star LeBron James has reached a financial milestone. He is the first current NBA player to reach billionaire status. Now, before him, basketball legend Michael Jordan was the only other NBA player to hit 10 figures, but he did not become a billionaire until after retirement. Onent Brittany Bailey. The state fire marshal's office is mourning the loss of a retired accelerant detection canine who recently passed away. State fire marshal Kevin Reardon says India served the people of Ohio very well. He said she was extremely personable and skilled, and they will miss her very much. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, most of us are familiar with the stereotypical symptoms of ADHD in kids. Not being able to focus, constantly being fidgety to the point of impacting their schoolwork or their social connections with their peers. Well, guess what? It is not just kids that are affected. Joining us this morning to talk about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in adults 
is Dr. Teresa Cerulli, board-certified psychiatrist and ADHD specialist. Dr. Cerulli, what does ADHD look like in adults? Well, thank you for inviting me to share information on this very important topic. ADHD in adults has the same three core features that it does in childhood, and that's inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. However, we used to think that kids, quote, grew out of the condition. Why? Because the hyperactive and impulsive symptoms seem to abate a bit over time. So the adult with ADHD is no longer the uh, running around the classroom or, or the office and jumping up and down on their desk. Right. The adult, the adult with ADHD, the symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity shift more internally. So they'll describe a sense of restlessness internally or fidgetiness, but no longer the overt symptoms that one can observe. Gotcha. The inattentive symptoms, yeah, that, it's, it's interesting. The inattentive symptoms, though, persist pretty much the same for the adult with ADHD. They'll, they'll struggle with tr- um, trouble listening in conversation to details, not paying attention to details in, in paperwork that they're reading, trouble finishing a task because they'll lose focus and, and not be able to sustain attention, especially if it's a mundane task. Um, asked me about paying taxes uh, last right. month, right. Uh, and then and then and then forgetfulness. So they'll get off track, forget something that they meant to do, and and then also trouble organizing uh, not just their thoughts but their day, organizing time, organizing tasks, and uh, and managing to you know multitask, I guess is a a good way to describe it. So very challenging just with day-to-day routine. It's interesting you mentioned that uh, previously the uh, general thought was that this was something that uh, kids would grow out of as they got older. Is the reverse true? Is this something that adults can grow into? Is it something that can develop in adulthood? Or is it something that has always been there but has gone undiagnosed or unmanaged? Yeah, it's it's the latter. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental condition. So even if it might, it might have gone unrecognized in childhood, especially if you didn't have a lot of the hyperactive impulsive symptoms, and this is true for a lot of the girls. Mm-hmm. We miss this diagnosis in girls a lot. So that by adulthood, um, somebody may finally have picked up with, if we're doing a better job, hopefully educating and raising awareness, someone might pick up on it in adulthood, but it, it was always there. You cannot yeah. just miraculously develop um, ADHD as an adult. Um, we might finally diagnosing it in adulthood. Yeah. So uh, how serious uh, are the consequences of leaving this undiagnosed? Is this a, a question of just recognizing the challenges and finding ways to mitigate uh, this? Or uh, is there something more serious uh, underlying uh, in a medical sense that we need to be aware of? Yep. Let me To answer your question, I'm going to start with some statistics on this of why this is such an important question. First of all, ADHD is one of the most common psychiatric conditions in adults. And it affects, in the U.S., 4.4% of the population, which translates to 10 million adults with ADHD in the United States, of which we have not uh, diagnosed many of them. So 75% of adults with ADHD that have it don't know they have it. Let's start there. Why is this so important besides just on a, on a population and um, scale, scalability level that we're talking? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's undiagnosed, those condi- all the things I just mentioned in terms of inattentive symptoms, what that can look like. Is, is It's not just the kid getting bad grades in school or having a behavioral problem. This affects how we manage routine tasks day-to-day as adults at work at home, in our families, in our relationships. I'm going to give you an example. One of my adult dads, adult with ADHD, um, came in, his, his wife, what led to him scheduling the appointment, his wife was really upset because on his way to work, he forgot, here's the forgetfulness, to drop his son at daycare. His son fell asleep in the car seat in the back, mm. uh, was quiet, sleeping, wasn't making noise. Dad got distracted, went about his normal um, routine of driving to the office to go to work and left the kiddo in the car, forgot to drop him at daycare. Mm. This, the story has a good ending. He caught the mistake, um, the error, and it was all worked out fine. But it's what it feels like the adults with ADHD, when you're talking about trouble with attention to detail and routine tasks and sustaining attention, can often lead to pretty significant impairments in multiple areas in our lives. 
So what are the treatment options available for ADHD in adults? Are they similar uh, to the ones uh, in children or are there uh, other treatments, maybe uh, non-medical treatments and and so on to help manage uh, this condition better? We recommend a multimodal approach to treatment, whether it's kids or adults, but perhaps, uh, and we're in individualizing those choices there. So perhaps the way we approach the treatment in kids might be slightly different than adults. What do I mean by that? So um, adults with ADHD, we usually recommend coaching the way you might coach sports yeah. you can coach skills. So you can coach people to help with how do you schedule your day, right. develop structure to your day. So non-medication approaches. There's also medication approaches, whether we're talking kids or adults. Stimulants and non-stimulants are the two main categories we use for treating ADHD. But the um, FDA approval process is different. Not all medications that are approved for kids are approved for adults and vice versa. In the non-stimulant category, we've unfortunately had few options in the past, but I will say uh, I am thankful to report the good news. The FDA recently approved a new non-stimulant for ADHD, that's Kelbri, um, for adult ADHD. It's the first new non-stimulant in 20 years. That's how long I've been practicing in the field. So this is really new, uh, very good news for the field. We Previously, we only had one treatment option that was a non-stimulant for adults. So uh, what questions would individuals need to ask uh, of their doctor uh, if they suspect this is uh, a, a, an issue that they are dealing with? Because again, we're talking to adults who have not been diagnosed with this, but may have a suspicion that... I've got these uh, issues or these challenges myself. Yeah. First, I highly recommend talking to your doctor. They're, your doctor, because in adults, the symptoms aren't observable to others, right? If you've grown out of the hyperactive impulsive symptoms, right. no one can see what it's like to be in your head. Mm-hmm. My patients describe it as cobwebs in their head or that somebody's changing the channel in their brain, you know, like a picture of a radio dial, someone's moving it around and you're trying to focus on one thing and they're changing channels on you in your head. So that's the description. So if you're wondering, geez, this could be me, definitely raise the issue with your your, your regular doctor, your primary care physician, um, psychiatrist, therapist, psychologist. They are all capable of using our uh, uh, DSM, that's the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual put out by the American Psychiatric Association for really helping truly diagnose what is ADHD and what's just normal trouble with attention that we all have from time to time. There are very, very distinguishable criteria to be able to to diagnose um, ADHD in adulthood as well as childhood. So you can't get there unless, of course, you ask the right questions and go to people and start to at least say, hey, wait a minute, here's what's going on in my life. Um, your doctors care. They just may not recognize it yeah. because again not and, observable and as you were mentioning statistically you are far from alone there are more cases out there than we realize again dr Teresa cerulli is a board certified psychiatrist and adhd specialist talking about attention deficit hyper hyperactivity disorder in adults dr cerulli thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you take care June 1st through the 7th is CPR week. And did you know that in a new survey, only 6 in 10 people say that they would feel comfortable taking charge in an emergency situation and giving someone CPR? So joining us this morning are Dr. David Pryor, Regional Vice President and Medical Director for Anthem, California, and Dr. Anezi Uzendu, uh, interventional cardiologist and research fellow at Mid-American Heart Institute in Kansas City. Dr. Pryor, let me start with you. What are the reasons uh, that are uh, causing this hesitancy uh, for someone to step in and, and administer CPR when needed? Yes. Well, we just found out of a new survey uh, conducted by the American Heart Association. It was funded by the Anthem Foundation. And the findings of this survey uh, really point to the number one reason why people are reluctant is because they have a lack of knowledge or lack of training. And so really here today to uh, kind of dispel some myths, 
to really let people know that the uh, hands-only CPR technique is actually uh, uh, pretty easy. And uh, it's something that's been available now uh, for about 10 years or so. It doesn't require as much of a technique as the previous uh, CPR where you had to do the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, the Mm -hmm. rescue breath, and then the compressions and keep track of it. So hand-only CPR is simplified and something everybody uh, can do. So I can hear some people uh, saying, why is it so important that everybody uh, learn this? I mean, I, you know, obviously, we want to be able to step in if uh, if needed, but what are really the chances of something like that happening? Yeah, well, every year, about 350,000 uh, people suffer cardiac arrest outside of their home, uh, meaning uh, cardiac arrest, meaning the heart really uh, stops the beating. And uh, as you know, the, the role of the heart is to circulate blood throughout our body, right? It brings oxygen to our vital organs. And so when you really think about it, if somebody collapses, they're down, they're in a cardiac arrest, their heart isn't pumping, isn't pumping, right? Um, you think about the brain. After about four minutes, if the brain is not receiving oxygen, you start to see some you know, permanent damage and kind of irreversible damage to the brain. And so that's why if... Yeah, you notice this situation where somebody's down, they're not responding. If you can act quickly, if you can start calling 911 first, then start the chest compression, you allow that blood that's in the body to circulate through, uh, through the vital organs, such as the brain. And then at that same time, again, emergency services hopefully will be coming to also assist and provide like the defibrillators, getting you to the ambulance, to the hospital. So uh, those first few minutes are critical. Uh, you know, we referenced that uh, statistic from the survey uh, at the outset, six in 10 would say that they would feel comfortable uh, taking charge and delivering a CPR in an emergency. You might think six out of 10 is pretty good. That's more than half, but it's certainly not good if one of those other four is the only one around when you need help. And uh, Dr. Uzendu, uh, you actually uh, have some firsthand experience uh, with this. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, that's right. Um, so at the age of 25, a few years ago, I suffered cardiac arrest playing basketball. And so, you know, I was uh, in the prime of my life, as people would say, you know, very healthy, athletic, um, but suffered a cardiac arrest and needed someone to help save my life. And so um, gratefully, I was, you know, uh, surrounded by, you know, the six and 10 that, you know, would step in and, you know, they knew CPR. Uh, they felt comfortable and confident performing CPR and they did so. They called the emergency response system and uh, they came in and kind of took over and got me to the hospital and, you know, continued the resuscitative uh, efforts I needed to help uh, facilitate me getting back to my own life, getting back to my family, to training and becoming a physician and ultimately a cardiologist. Um, but all those things wouldn't happen if people didn't step in um, and uh, step in and perform CPR. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so critical. And that's the reason why we're here today. Obviously, the the goal of our conversation is to raise awareness and and uh, impress upon people the importance of having this knowledge. Uh, what are some of the other uh, things that we can do to increase uh, the knowledge and the training when it comes to uh, bystander CPR, if you will? Yeah, so there are some resources. I mean, I think, first of all, I think we really do need to try and make it personal, you know, and understand, you know, obviously it's personal for me as I kind of went through it. Right. Um, but most cardiac arrests, 70% of them actually happen at home. And so, you know, the person, if someone suffers a cardiac arrest, the person that's going to be needed to respond to that person is most likely one of the people that are in that same household. So husband, wife, child, someone that loves and cares for them the most. And those are people that we're needing to step in and help save a life and Obviously, they're motivated to do so. They want to, um, but, you know, they haven't received the information. And so that's what we're trying to do here today. Um, you know, heart.org is a great resource, heart.org slash hands-only CPR. Um, that is a resource that has training videos that teaches hands-only CPR. The AHA is doing community webinars to try and get engaged, to engage people. Um, and then, um, you know, you know, obviously, you know, opportunities like this where people can come in and we can talk about what a cardiac arrest is and, um, you know, uh, one of the way you recognize a cardiac arrest, how you differentiate that from a heart attack, like all those things are important. And I feel like everyone should know to be able to make sure that they're saving and taking care of their loved ones. I want to uh, go back to something that you mentioned and just kind of drive home the, the point of how 
easy this actually is. I remember uh, taking the old-fashioned CPR class, what Dr. Pryor was referring to uh, from years ago, uh, in our high school health class many, many years ago. And you actually had to go through the the training, the in-person. You had to test on the on the uh, on the dummy and, and and so on. You're talking about training videos online and classes to teach you this uh, that can be done online in the comfort of it. That's how much simpler this is and how easy it is to learn. Yes, this is a lot simpler. I mean, you can still go on. People can go on to get the full certification, mm-hmm. um, but we've realized that hands-only CPR is effective and helps save lives. And so, yep, you're able to go to heart.org slash hands-only CPR and learn hands-only CPR. And hands-only CPR only takes two steps, which is really great. The first step is call 911 or activate the emergency response system. And then step two is to push hard and fast in the center of the chest. Um, you want to go at about a rate of 100 to 120 beats per minute, um, which is at about the same speed as the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees or Crazy in Love by Beyonce. But you kind of go at that rhythm, go at that pace to do your chest compressions, and you're helping to, again, save a life. Um, I think one quick point is actually recognizing what a cardiac arrest is. You know, you have to be able to recognize it to be able to treat it. Right. Um, and so um, the two steps in just kind of recognizing someone as a cardiac arrest is, A, you know, are they responding? So, hey, hey, you tap them. Hey, are you okay? If they're not responding, and then two, if they're not breathing normally, um, so sometimes they might have what we call agonal breathing where it just doesn't seem normal or they're not breathing at all. If you see that they're not responding, they're not re- breathing normally, safe to assume that they're having a cardiac arrest, and then you intervene with your two steps of uh, hands-only CPR, A, calling 911, and then B, um, starting with a uh, heart of uh, chest compressions, hard and fast in the center of the chest at yeah. that rate of 120 I- I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people fear is how do I know uh, if it's uh, appropriate to administer this? I don't want to do I don't want to cause more harm than good uh, by uh, doing it improperly or at the improper time. Uh, so very important there again, uh, Dr. David Pryor, Regional Vice President, Medical Director for Anthem, California. Dr. Inezi Uzendu, uh, Interventional uh, Cardiologist Research Fellow at Mid American Heart Institute in Kansas City talking about the importance of knowing CPR, hands-only CPR, uh, during the CPR week. And again, mention the website where folks can get more information real quick. Yep, heart.org slash hands-only CPR. That's heart.org slash hands-only CPR. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is why you should always do one thing at a time, uh, especially while you're driving. <laughs> In Florida, this Fort Lauderdale, uh, a, a man uh, collided with a FedEx truck the other day, an accident that police say was caused because he was uh, distracted uh, when he was um, on the receiving end of an intimate oral act. <laughs> the uh, couple was found naked uh, in their car after the wreck, which occurred on Thursday evening. Luckily, uh, everyone, everyone involved suffered only minor injuries. Uh, officials noted that the uh, driver of the SUV did suffer groin injuries due to the nature of the incident. <laughs> I love, they just, they tried to put that as delicately as they could. <laughs> and they issued a reminder not to uh, <clears throat> multitask <laughs> behind the wheel. <laughs> Alrighty then. <clears throat> Elsewhere... <laughs> In the broken news, we could just stop right there, couldn't we? Um, A music teacher in British Columbia, Canada, says that he was able to drive a bear away from his school by using his trombone. Uh, Tristan Clausen said a, a teacher was trying to scare the bear away from the trash cans by banging on a door. When that didn't work, he figured he could do better. And started playing his trombone. (laughs) That did it. 
the uh, bear was sent fleeing from the scene from the uh, school. Mr. Clawson said he was uh, trying not to take it personally. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone's a critic. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, this also from the international file of the broken news. There is a new world record that has been set by a guinea pig in Hungary. A Hungarian guinea pig named Molly. Uh, Molly made four slam dunks on a tiny basketball hoop to set the record of the most slam dunks by a guinea pig. Didn't know that there was such a record, but... Molly is now the record owner. Uh, arguably one of the greatest guinea pigs to play the game, it says here. Emma Mueller, the owner of Molly, the basketball-playing guinea pig, said she is pleased with the record, but said it is nowhere near Molly's best performance. <laughs> Alrighty then. Forget the NBA Finals. I want to see Molly the guinea pig. There's got to be a video of this somewhere, I would think. Gotta look that up. And finally, in the broken news this morning, kind of a light day for the broken news. It's quality over quantity today. This is crazy. Um, Evansville. Is this Evansville, Indiana? I believe it might be. Uh, let's see here. The owners of a recently opened bookstore. Yeah, Evansville, Indiana. Uh, owners of a recently opened bookstore found out that the store sits right on top of a major discovery and a piece of history. It seems the owners of your brother's bookstore were snooping around while they were uh, renovating the place, getting ready to open up. They were replacing the floor in the uh, building and they found a trap door. They came across a trap door in the floor, which they opened up and began investigating, ignoring everything that you see in the movies about not going down dark and unfamiliar hidden corridors by a recently discovered trap door. I mean, if you ever watch a scary movie, you know, you should never do that. But they did anyway. Uh, Co-owner Sam Morris says, of course, we went down. I mean, right away. They dropped down into an old dusty room that had a hole in the wall and decided not to investigate any further because they thought maybe the hole led to the business next door. and They didn't want to intrude. Uh, the first day that it happened, uh, Mr. Morris says, they put a sign outside that said, ask us about our secret tunnel. <laughs> they thought it'd be kind of a, a selling point. Just wanted to tell every single person that it was down there. Uh, that caught the attention of representatives from the Evansville African American Museum. Um, they believe that the hole in the room underneath the business did not lead to the business next door, but uh, rather uh, it was maybe part of the Underground Railroad. After more investigation, they found the hole actually led to a secret path under Main Street there in Evansville that nobody ever knew was there. Ultimately, they didn't find any evidence that it was part of the Underground Railroad. Instead, they found various objects from the Prohibition era and traces of what appeared to be a gambling den. Vanderburg County historian Stan Schmidt believes the tunnel is definitely part of the state's Prohibition history. It's crazy. Uh, as for the bookstore owners, they are debating what to do with their new attraction uh, says Mr. Morris, I think we're going to throw down some porcelain dolls and seal it back up and let that be a surprise for the next owners. <laughs> they did, however, say that they will make a mini exhibit of some of the items they found in their secret tunnel. So That's crazy. That is a uh, wild discovery there. Uh, some of the uh, odd and unusual side of the news there. Today's broken news report is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You don't think twice about wearing your seatbelt. Going boating? Real boaters wear a life jacket. It's easy to do. Accidents can happen quickly. And if you're not wearing your life jacket, you won't have time to put it on if it's stowed. So pick a comfortable life jacket and wear it. 
Remember, life jackets are for everyone, regardless of your age or swimming ability. Have fun, make memories, and boat responsibly. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and U.S. Coast Guard. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We head back to work. What is the quintessential uh, way of kicking off uh, the uh, after work? Uh, After work, go to happy hour, right? Uh, After the last couple of years we have had, you can't blame Americans for wanting to let loose. And to that end, a new survey looks at the happiest hour of the day, happy hour. But most of us, it turns out, or a fair amount of us, fair number of us, believe that happy hour could actually be happier. This is a a poll of 2,000 Americans of legal drinking age. 38% believe that the so-called happy hour should actually be three hours long. (laughs) In a perfect world, three hours is the preferred length of happy hour. Uh, (laughs) This is especially true with the uh, long days of summer. Uh, The uh, poll also uh, believes uh, revealed that most people believe that Tuesday is the ideal day to hit happy hour after work. I would have thought Monday, maybe, but you know when you need it the most. But they said Tuesday. Uh, was the ideal uh, day Friday being a close second, of course. No surprise there. Uh, The poll, by the way, was sponsored by uh, the hard beverage uh, maker Bevy Long Drink. Uh, 68% of respondents want to make up for lost pandemic summers this year. 64% say they are more excited for 2022 than any summer in recent history. In fact, 43% say they are looking forward to meeting up with friends, maybe at happy hour. 39% say they are going out more often this summer. Uh, I I think already this, you know, with summer starting unofficially, technically summer isn't really here yet. It won't be until later this month. But, you know, with the uh, arrival of Memorial Day weekend, kind of the unofficial uh, kickoff of summer, and I think we have actually gone out more this summer than we did last already and we're just a couple of weeks in uh in any event uh, 39% say they are going out more often this summer 35% vow that they are going to hit music festivals now that they are back on so i thought that was kind of interesting just kind of a random factoid there in the survey 61% in fact say that they feel guilty if they burn daylight hours during the summer by not doing something fun You've got the daylight. You should really make the most of it. 61% say they feel guilty if they burn daylight during the summer not doing something fun. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, the Hancock County OSU Extension is uh, planning a summer full of special programs. Healthier families and wiser consumers. Uh... Family and Consumer Sciences uh, educator Jennifer Little with us uh, this morning from the Hancock County OSU Extension Office. You've brought a friend. Yes, yes. Good morning, Chris. (laughs) Yes, I have a dietetic intern with me here this morning from Bowling Green State University, and she's going to be spending four weeks over the summer with us. So I'll let her just say a few words, introduce herself, and then I'll talk about some of the things they'll be working on in the coming weeks. Sarah Lore, thanks very much for uh, coming in and uh, being with us uh, as well this morning. So, uh, Bowling Green, where are you from uh, originally? From this area or somewhere else? Um, close by. So, my family lives over in Salina. Oh, okay. But I went to school in Bowling Green and me and my husband live in Finley. So, kind of along <laughs> 75, we kind of go back and forth. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Putting a lot of miles on the car. Yep. <laughs> yep, for sure. Uh, so, and in, in you are majoring in what? And what, what yeah. career field are you looking uh, to get into? Yeah, so I'm majoring in dietetics and okay. my goal is to become a registered dietitian. Okay. And with that, um, you can kind of get into a lot of different areas. So SNAP, I know, has can I, um, have a dietitian, hospitals, um, food service areas. So. And I would imagine a, an experience like this can maybe help you hone what you're looking to do with for that sure. degree. Yeah, so. for sure. The internship is kind of a place where we can get so many hours in at all these different um, rotations and mm-hmm. kind to figure out what we want to do yeah so. uh so something that uh, obviously you have to do but it yeah. also is uh, uh, 
plays a good big benefit uh, mm-hmm. to you know figuring out what you want to do with your life. I think so, yeah. yeah. So uh, where are you now? Um, I, I know that the internships usually come at what point in the... Yeah, so I already have my um, bachelor's, and I'm doing gotcha. um, with BGSU's distance program. It's a master's certificate and internship uh-huh. together. So I can finish it within a year um so. Okay, very good. And yep. uh, it, from what it sounds like, Jennifer, you're going to keep her busy uh, yeah. this summer. you got a lot of things <laughs> yes. uh, that are coming up on the schedule over the next uh, couple of months or so. Yes, yes. So we are, you know, it's gardening season mm-hmm. and um, we, the farmer's market's already kicked off, opened up in May. And um, we have been working with them. I'm kind of excited that it's on the far, local farmers markets under new leadership and they're wanting to do some different things kind of expand their audience i know they're having the the first third or third the thursday, thursday yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, first, the mm-hmm. third thursdays with um added entertainment and um information available um the uh, master gardeners are out there and they also are wanting to expand um, the opportunity for people that receive SNAP or food stamp benefits to be able to utilize their um, benefits to buy local produce. Mm-hmm. And so we're working with them on a program called Produce Perks and um, getting the equipment that they need to be able to receive SNAP benefits, but also for people that are on SNAP um, or food stamps, they can buy double the amount of produce that they can get oh, for wow. their benefits. So we're right now working with um, the farmers market leadership to help obtain the equipment and the resources that they need to be yeah. able to do that. So that's been kind of a fun project yeah. and we hope to get going as as more and more produce is available at the farmer's market, being able to get that up and running in the next uh, month or so. Boy, you talk about a win-win situation. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, you know, uh, people eating healthier, obviously, is uh, uh, the goal of the SNAP program, but also uh, benefiting uh, local producers. I mean, that's a, that's a big victory all the way around. Yeah, and that will also allow um, Joanne Fife. She's our SNAP um, ed program assistant, and she'll be able to you know, once the SNAP benefits are out there, she'll be also be able to get out there and do some programming, do some educational programs, and maybe some food demonstrations and stuff out there. All right. So, yeah, and of course, going right along with that, we think about food preservation. You know, people getting fresh produce and garden, their gardens going. Um, I've had a lot of people contact me already about getting their pressure canners tested. Mm-hmm. And when you do pressure canning, obviously, you want to make sure you do it safely. And... Um, if you have a pressure canner, you need to have that gauge calibrated and checked every year to make sure it's accurate. Because if you're pressuring, if you're pressure canning, you want to make sure that the pressure reaches the appropriate mm-hmm. pressure and temperature to yeah. make that food safe. Right. So we are actually, I've been already doing some um, lid testing. We have the equipment to do that right in our office, and people can call and just make an appointment to do that. Um, we also have um, just. Fun name, Food Preservation Palooza coming up July 5th, <laughs> and where um, Ohio State Extension has long been a part of helping people preserve food safely. So we've got lots of resources, educational programming, and um, some folks coming into the office. We'll have our some master gardeners there, hopefully, um, to talk to visitors. It will, we'll do pressure canner testing. It'll be July 5th from 4 to 6 in the evening at our okay. office. I, I was going to ask, uh, I would imagine, I mean, I know uh, canning, uh, food canning has been increasing in popularity in recent years, and now especially with the prices of everything going through the roof, I yep. would imagine there are a lot of folks who are uh, maybe planting gardens for the first time looking to, you know, save some of that uh, that food. Mm-hmm. Um so this would be good information for those first timers. First timers, experienced people, everyone. Um, we've got because we'll have recipes, we'll have resources. Okay. We'll also talk about. We also will have some door prizes. People can come and just you know pick up information, get their canner lid tested, get some recipes, and have a chance to you know some kind of fun and, and interact with other people that are like minded and, and doing the same things. I I learn a lot from people that come in. I we had a, someone come in earlier this. Um, spring and they had done a lot of um, kind of winter gardening and a starting okay. stuff really early on yeah. and being able to cover their beds mm-hmm. and, and I you know they were teaching me a lot of the stuff that they had tried and, and been successful at and yeah so it's I feel like it's a great place to learn from others who are doing the same thing and like I said we also hope to have some master gardeners out there because obviously July we're still growing mm-hmm. so having some people that can right. answer some gardening questions as well yeah um 
So good stuff. And uh, again, July 5th is the uh, yes. uh, Food yeah. Preservation Palooza. Yes. I like that. It <laughs> yeah. is uh, easily, easy to remember. Um, anything else uh, going on? Yeah. Um, so. Well, we are moving on. We have um, our our diabetes support group. It meets every okay. month, and that's ongoing this summer. And um, Sarah's going to help with some programming for this, for July, well, next week, which will be our June 1. It's, the second, it's usually the second Tuesday of the morning at 10 o'clock in the morning at 50 okay. North. We also are continuing with our Eat Well, Live Well series. Um, it's at the um, Hancock, Finley Hancock County Library, and it's on the first Wednesday of the month. So the day after the Palooza, we'll be having the Eat Well, Live Well series at the library. It'll be That's, a very busy week for you yeah, coming out of the 4th yeah. of July it's, holiday. Um, it's <laughs> 4.30 to 5.30 in the evening, and we'll be talking about salads this month. This, pa- okay. this past week, we did um, a thing on, uh, we, we featured cooking with um cast iron skillets it's something we all have in our and we had a really nice attendance a lot of interest in that so again with um, produce coming off we're going to be featuring salads this next okay. month all right <clears throat> and of course we've also got um i'll be i'm working with our snap ed educator she's going to be part taking part in the summer meals program so we've talked about some adult things we're doing we're also going to be doing some stuff with kids so mm-hmm. glenwood is having is hosting the summer meals program free meals for children up to age 18 and um, Joanne Fife, who, again, our snap educator, and I will be out there three days a week doing some nutrition and wellness-related programming for the kids and families that are attending that. So, so we're excited about that. Definitely that was- a very busy summer. Uh, and then, of course, in the middle of all of that, getting ready for the fair as well. Yes, yes. Um, the, our fair runs. It's the use of the Wednesday before um, Labor Day. Yep, and it runs right through, Labor through Labor Day, Day weekend. weekend. And last year, we, with a brand new youth building, we kicked off Family Fun with FCS. So every day we had a, an uh, event in the morning at 11 o'clock in the youth building where families could come and bring their kids. And we have interactive activities and fun things related to family and consumer sciences like healthy people, healthy finances, healthy bodies. So, so definitely something to look forward to already uh, preparing for that. Busy, busy summer. You've got more information about all of this stuff at the uh, website, right? Yes, we sure do. Okay. We've got it linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. What with the uh, OSU uh, extension of Hancock County Family and Consumer Sciences. Thanks very much for dropping by. Sarah Lohr, uh, the uh, dietetic intern there at the uh, extension. Thanks very much for uh, dropping by. Certainly best of luck to you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, what are the things that make life worth living? Perhaps the key to being truly alive is in learning how to be dead. We'll talk with the author of a new novel, a story with a lot to think about. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.